Amen. And aren't you glad that it's for... Or By the way, part of the reason you need to come to a church, and I know not everybody's able to be here today, is that it recalibrates your thinking. You know, I know we don't live under the Old Testament law of the Sabbath, uh, but there is the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, and God has designed us, man, to need that recalibration. And as we think about that, and I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, you're, you're so overwhelmed right now in life and everything you turn, just to just pause for a little while and think about Beulah Land. And to just think about that wherever we are, whatever we're going, they look, God's already there. He already knows what we're dealing with. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came this morning. And uh, you're in a little bit of a, we're in a little bit of a, we're in a little bit of a dilemma because the preacher's up earlier than he normally is, so hold on. Acts chapter number 13. <laughs> Acts chapter number 13, and I, I'm going to tell you this, just, and, and I'm going to make a couple of statements, and then I'm going to preach. Number one, if you want me every week to talk about COVID, I'm not going to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't dealing with sickness. I want you to pray for one another. It's real. But I am not a health care expert, and I can't tell you what to do and what not to do. And all I know is I can preach the Bible to you week after week after week. I don't have some magic thing to say to you today. Uh, so the other thing is, if you come expecting a political rhetoric, well, you're in the wrong place too. And uh, I'm not here to discuss what you think politically. That's, you can leave that, look, you can leave that outside the room. Matter of fact, I just assume you pretty much will leave it off this property. And uh, you can do what you want to. But I am going to try the best of my ability to do from this pulpit what I'm going to ask you to do in life, to pick up the book, read it, and live by it. Now, we happen to be in the book of Acts, and I've wrestled. I told you last week I was excited about preaching, and I've wrestled this week to you detour and with the events, and, and I really feel like God wants me just to keep going. So we're just going to keep going a few more verses. And some of you is going to be like, man, I can't believe that's where you are. But if you'll stay with me till the end, I promise you it will apply to where we are in life. Because God's word has a way of doing that. Acts chapter number 13. And, and we've already looked at the first few verses about the, uh, the church continuing on. And they're going, uh, some commentators call it to the regions beyond. Uh, as now Paul and Barnabas are sent out to do missionary work. And we say, man, isn't that wonderful? Man, the mission, the church is exploding. They're, they're le they've left Jerusalem. They've gone to Antioch. And now from Antioch, they're, they're going out and they're sending these missionaries out. Say, man, isn't that wonderful? And just like everything else, I say to you, hold on. I preached a message years ago on this subject. Don't be surprised when the devil shows up. Garden of Eden was a beautiful place. It was perfect. God said that everything he made was good. And he saw it and he was happy. And then chapter number three, guess who shows up? The subtle serpent. And I want to say this to you, every time the work of God continues, they'll always, it grows, there'll always be a disruption. And in these disruptions, we decide what we're going to do. The Bible says in verse number four of Acts chapter number 13, and so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, they departed into Caesarea. 
And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And they tell us, by the way, that Cyprus was Barnabas' home area. It says, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues and the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. Now, uh, the, the, the pattern was they would go to the Jewish synagogues. You say, why? Because they, the, that was where they were first encountered with those that had followed the God of the Old Testament and God gave them a chance to, to turn from Judaism and now to the gospel and understand the completeness of the Messiah. And then the Bible says this in verse 6, and when they had gone from through the Isle of Pathos, they found a certain sorcerer and a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which when the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulius, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul, desired to hear the word of God. And Elamus, the sorcerer, so was his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And then the Bible says, Paul, and we'll read verse 9 through 12 in just a moment, but Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, he tells them. Look, as a matter of fact, just read on with me in verse number 10. It says, and Paul, or verse 9, then Saul, which also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtlety and, uh, and mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of righteousness, <laughs> Will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Verse 11 and 12 tells us this, that darkness fell, blindness fell on him. Verse 12 tells us this, that uh, the one that was seeking believed. And I, I, I don't know why we are where we are as far as in Scripture, but I, I'd like to preach for a little while on this subject, the child of the devil. Now, now obviously, Paul didn't do very good with sensitivity training. Paul did not, had not gone through HR's department and, and said, now you understand, you believe what you believe, but you've got to accept what someone else's belief. No, he, he pretty much so called him a devil. Now, man, that's pretty rough. And I, I say this to you, I'm not recommending you go down and do likewise, but there is some principles that we can learn here. I first want you to understand, verse, uh, the first thing I want you to notice is, notice the sorcerer. And in verse number six, it says this, and, and when they had gone through the Isle of Pathos, they found. So they show up in town and, and they hear about this one that is a sorcerer. Now, if you study the word sorcerer or sorcery, it, it, literally, we would say magic. Or we would use the term to practice magic, especially black magic. It's tied to the, uh, the great and powerful men that specialize in the study of astrology and the, and the stars and enchantments. It even carries with it the idea of the use of drugs to alter someone's state. Now, i just go ahead and tell you, that's as real as where we live as anything you'll read in this book. <laughs> and you find it all going on. So he says, he says there's a sorcerer. Now, the sorcerers, I said to you, is the idea of the black magic. And uh, look in verse number eight. It says, but Elamus, the sorcerer, and they tell us, by the way, that was a name he gave himself. In this context, you find that Saul, which is also Paul, and there was a Jewish name and a, and a Roman name. And so what this sorcerer had done is he gave himself the name of the, I'm a wise one. 
I'm, I'm, I'm smart. I'm intellectually proud. And so when Paul and them came to that town, they found the sorcerer. You say, well, that's pretty neat. I mean, they found somebody that practiced the Eastern religion and they were in touch with the yin-yang philosophy. So what did they call him? Verse six says he was a certain, he was a certain prophet. And notice this, he was a sorcerer. And notice this, a false prophet. And they were pretty hard on him. You say, why? Because he was contrary. Now, I want you to understand that. Stay with me just a little bit. We're going to plow a little ground in the beginning, and then we're going to make an application. We're going somewhere. So if you'll stay with me. I want you to hold your place here and go to Romans chapter number 1. So this man gave him a self-appointed name. This man gave him the idea. He went to town, and he was the wise one. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That's the intellectual crowd today. I'm not trying to pick on them, whatever you want to, but they look at me like I'm backwood, redneck, ignorant to actually believe that God created the whole world, that he stepped out on nothing and he spoke the whole world into existence and he holds it in the palm of his hands and by him all things consist and that he made man out of the dust of the earth and, and he breathed into man the, the breath of life and man became a living soul and, and to think that he continued on and Everybody that's ever been born will live somewhere forever because they have that living soul in them and they're going to be alive as long as God is alive and that God had no beginning and that God has no end. And they say to me, that's a pipe dream. That's a crutch. They say, We're, look, they say this, we've learned better. We, we, we have arrived past your superstitious religion. Am I wrong? That don't bother me. But I'll be honest with you, it bothers my kids and your kids. I look, at this point, I'm a middle-aged, overweight, bald-headed country preacher. And I'm okay in my own skin. I have a little too much of it, but I'm okay in it. But the battleground does not for me, the battleground is for the children. Amen. Romans chapter number one. We know Romans chapter number one, and I heard a great message on the first half of this the other day. Uh, Pastor Sexton preached about the righteousness in Rome, and sometime soon I'm going to show you that. There's some great things in that. But look at Romans chapter number one and verse number 18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So God's wrath is poured out on unrighteousness. Verse number 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. You say, what is that? That's the light of conscience in them. They know there's a God. Now I want to ask you a question. For an atheist, or someone who says they're an atheist, why are they such an attack on Christianity? Well, the verse right here tells us because inside they know there's a God. Verse number, nine, verse number 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Say, you can't, the Bible says, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, you can't look at creation and not realize that it came from a creator. And he goes on and says, they're being clearly seen. 
even his eternal power in Godhead. So they're without excuse. So when they see the majesticness. Now, yesterday we, I was with some people and we were talking about the beautiful parts of the country. Some of them just came back from out west and they'd seen the, the big trees and all that type of stuff. Somebody said, I want to go to Northern California and see the coast. Somebody else says, I want to go to Hawaii and see the mountains and, and the water. And then somebody else said, yeah, but it's really humid and hot in Hawaii. Somebody said, I want to see the Grand Canyon and see the majesticness of it. And I still say, give me my mountains. <laughs> I've seen most of those other things. But when you see the majestic, not just the creation down, but when you look in the stars and you consider what we know about the galaxies, you say, man, that's amazing. Then look in verse number, nine, uh, verse number uh, 21, it says this. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, can I say this to you? When you reject God, it becomes a darkening point. You say, why are they so vicious? Because their hearts are darkened. And I hate to say this, and I'm not, I'm not being mean, but they really believe they're right. Say, so why? Because their hearts have been darkened. Look in verse number 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the, in, uh, the uncorruptible God into an image made in like corruptible man and to the birds and the four feet of beast and creepy things. Said they worshiped the creep. They worshiped. They, they worshiped the animals instead of the creator. Verse 24, wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Then verse number 26 and following says, God gave them up to vile affection, unnaturalness. Verse 27, unnatural things, unseemly things. Verse 28 said they did not retain God in their knowledge Verse 30 says they became, 29 and 30 said they're filled with unrighteousness and wickedness and covetousness and murders and, and haters of God and despiteful and proud and boastful. And we say that's the generation we're living in. I heard the story yesterday that in New York City, and I don't know, I didn't watch the news because I don't watch the news, but in New York City, somebody just walked up and shot somebody for no reason. Then they fell on the ground, they shot them again. You say, what happened? They're haters. They're, you say, what happened? Well, I notice in the middle of it in verse number 22. Professing themselves to be wise. Now, here's the danger. The danger is when we profess that we know about life better than God knows about life. If you look in this, and I'm going to give you some things, and I, what I'm going to read to you is going to be a little heavy. But I want you to understand that the Bible says that in Acts chapter number 13 that this was the sorcerer. The sorcerer is sorcery, wizardry, black magic. Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Stay with me for just a minute. I know this is a little heavy for Sunday morning, but I'm going somewhere if you'll stay with me. Some of you said I didn't even get on the train this morning. That's okay, maybe we'll pick you up at the next stop. But I'm thinking about what is going on in the world today matches what is here. 
Paul, the apostle, and Barnabas and John Mark, they, they go to the next city and they hear about one who is promoting himself to be wise. They hear about one who is using sorcery, enchantment, astrology, uh, wizardry, and, and, and per, working under the guise of, of religion. And what he says is he, he is a sorcerer. He calls himself that. He, he's like a prophet. He's a wise man, kind of like the gift of the magi. We understand that. He says he's one of those wise men. He's doing that, but the word of God calls him a false prophet. Ephesians chapter number six talks about our spiritual battle. It tells us to, uh, that we're to have the, uh, on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice in verse number, 22, or verse number 12. Please read it with me. And if you have a pen, I want you to mark some things in your Bible. Verse number 12 says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You say, what does that mean? Real simple. We're not fighting just a physical fight. You know, some of you like to wrestle. I like to pretend like I wrestle with these boys, these teenage boys. I walked by one the other day. I said, I just walked by you. I want to hit you. I said, why? Because when I was his age, the old man did that to me. <laughs> and you know, we, read, we think about wrestling. We think about that fighting. But notice this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I've read that verse hundreds of times, probably without exaggeration in my life. I've preached this passage of Scripture before, but I want you to notice something. There are, there are five times in that verse, number 12, the word against is used. Against, 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 they said we're against spiritual wickedness, we're against the principalities, we're against darkness, we're against it. Now I know this is not real popular today and I know I'm supposed to on Sunday morning preach something to make you feel good, but I have to say this to you. If you're going to be a Bible-based Christian, there are gonna be some things you're against. Because this battle is not a physical battle. This battle is a spiritual battle. And the things that we're against, listen, is the wickedness. The things we're against is the spiritual darkness of the world. And I ask you this question from a practical understanding of this. Why is it that in America, the things that the Word of God says we're against, Christians welcome into their homes? Well, what's in your movies? What's in your video games? We look, I remember when preachers used to preach about them Disney princesses and we thought, man, they're crazy. So I snow white and them, that, that little spell and all that stuff. And we thought, man, that preacher's just off his rocker. But I looked it up this morning. Now there's a whole genre of, mu uh, of movies called cool occult and black magic. Say, so what's happened? It's cool now for, for, for uh, and you can look it up, the top witches in movies. Look it up yourself. We, we, they, they cast spells and, and they, they, they have these special swords and they have special powers and they have all this going on. And we say, isn't that cute? Well, I like the music or I like the storyline or I like the voices. But the truth is we're promoting the very spirit of Satan. I ask you a question. Oh, little Hannah's over there. I'm going to embarrass her for just a minute. She's real shy. She just looked at me like, no, preacher. 
I'm going to use this as an illustration. We come back from a rise the other day, and, you know, she's singing in the choir. She's in shine. The other Sunday morning, I'm right here with her, and she said, I said, what's wrong? She said, I'm a little nervous. I said something. I said, well, are you going to the choir? And she's torn with this decision. And I asked her this question, and I'm going to use it as an illustration. I said, well, who do you think wants you in the choir, God or the devil? And then I said, well, who do you think is trying to talk you out of being in the choir? So, well, that's obviously Satan. Now, as simple as that is, I'm going to ask you a question. If something didn't come from God, where did it come from? Now, I'm going to challenge you. I know, though, somebody said, well, you're just, you're just a, an old fuddy-duddy, and, and you're just mad at everybody, and you can't accept anybody, and you, people have different views. No, when Paul came to town preaching the word of God, when he heard about the black magic guy, he went and talked to him. But he didn't say, you got your religion and I got mine. He didn't say, well, as long as you believe in something, as long as you believe in some power out there. He said, no, you're a false prophet. And I challenge those of you. I say this to you. We've come a long way from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. What our generation, and I'm sorry, what our generation accepted in Disney princesses, the next generation has in Black Magic. Look, something, I'm just going, I've already step across the line now anyway I'm meddling a little bit but something wrong with people won't be in black all the time I went to the store the other day had to get something and this guy's in black he got black fingernails guy got black fingernails now I, I, I was kind I didn't say a word about it I looked at him I thought man now we look at it and he said well that's gothic that's a, but can I say this to you that's part of the occult that's part of the spiritual wickedness that's part, of, that's part of darkness. Now, I'm not talking about those of us a little larger like to wear dark clothes. That's a different conversation. But I'm thinking to myself, let me say this to you. And, and I know what you're saying. But as the church of God goes forward, preaching the word of God, one of the things that you'll always have to deal with is the spirit of sorcery. Now, let me give me a second one. This is where I'm going now. You stay with me. Notice the second thing. Go back with me in Acts chapter number 13. And I have a point in this. Not only do you see the sorcerer in verses 6 and 8, but in verse number 7, and this is why it's so important. In verse number 7, and I'm sorry, Satanism is not cool. Witchcraft is not cool. And what we've got to do is guard against it in our home and guard against it in our heart. You don't need to look in the stars for your answers. You need to look in this book. You don't need to look at some wise man. You need to look in that book. Verse number seven. They went to that country and the reason they went more than likely was by invitation of Sergius Polius. You say that may not be his name. Well, then you read it. Say so he went there, one of the chief deputies, and notice this, he, he had inquired. He was a, the Bible uses this word prudent man. He was a man of understanding. And I want you to write down this. Not only do we have the sorcerer, but you have the seeker. So in verse number seven, we're introduced to this man that was the deputy of the country, a high-ranking official. Notice this. And he called for Barnabas and Saul. Notice this, that he desired to hear the word of God. 
Now here's what you find in the word of God. In verse number six, he talks about the sorcerer or the false prophet. In verse number eight, he talks about the false prophet. And we'll look at this in a minute, withstanding the truth. But sandwiched in between the spiritual warfare of verse six and verse number eight is verse number seven. And that is a genuine man that seeks the truth of God. And we can talk about everything wrong in the world today and and I know I've hit some things very hard this morning but I must remind you that the reason the battle is real and the reason the battle is raging is because there are people that want to know the truth of God and Satan will use everything he can to keep people from looking for the truth to find the truth. And you find here someone that just wants to know the word of God and we're met with young people and old people alike over and over again that said, I just want to know the truth about where I came from. I just want to know the truth about why I'm here. And if we sell them some counterfeit religion, then we are sending them down the wrong road. He's a seeker. But now notice the third thing with me quickly. Notice the subtlety at work. I want you to notice in verse number eight. Don't miss it. You say they're just different. No, they're not just different. Look in verse number eight. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for whose name by interpretation, notice this, withstood them. Now don't miss this. They come to town. The chief deputy wants to hear the truth. And the sorcerer said, no, you're going to get that from me. Now if that ain't, live, real, I don't know what is. You don't need grandma's religion, grandma's Bible. You don't need all that old stuff. You don't, you don't need the church. You need, we've been enlightened. Do you need that from me? I've circled in my Bible those two words, withstood them. Notice this, seeking, notice this, to turn. So as people get closer to the truth, the the opposition, the sorcerer, the spirit of Satan, the spirit of the age, look, wants to turn them, wants to detour them away from the truth of God. They will stop the advancement. You know, some people, they, 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 they look, the spirit of the age is, well, you let me live and I'll let you live. That's what they say. No, they want me to live like them. They want to turn they want someone looking for truth. I'm, I, I'm sorry, there are lots of questions that kids have. Kids trying to figure things out and trying to understand their life and their thinking, their emotions and all these type of things. And what they say is, let's turn you away from the truth that you have a divine creator and you're responsible to him. That God made you male and female from the beginning. Look, let's turn, look, let's turn you. You say, Why? I got ahead of myself, but I'll say this to you. They do not want the truth to be the foundation point. They want it to be the imaginations and feelings. I pulled out one of my oldest commentaries this morning, reading about this passage of Scripture. And he made that statement. He said, uh, the, 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 the sorcerer, he said, he wanted it to be about imaginations and what you feel and what you imagine and not the standard of truth of God's word. And I thought, man, if the Bible's not alive, I don't know what is. Because we're living there. You say, it's okay, Brother Mark, how's this done? Look in verse number 10. It says, oh, by the way, don't miss verse number nine. We'll get there in a minute. Then Saul, who's also called Paul, notice this, filled 
with indignation? Filled with pride? No, no, no. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He set his eyes on him. And he said this, Oh, full of all subtlety. I want you to mark that first. He says you're full of subtlety and, and mischief. Subtlety is the word for fraud. Subtlety is the word for craftiness. Subtlety is the word for the mixing of truth and error. Let me tell you the most dangerous truth is the one that is mixed with error. You know what we have in the world today? Listen to me. We have the error we used to have truth mixed with error, but I think we've gone a step further. Now we have error mixed with a little bit of truth. And they think if they can throw a few little words in here and even quote a scripture every now and then, throw it over here, that we have to accept it. But can I say this to you? God, God wants us to stand for truth and Satan always does his great work through subtlety. Go back with me. Hold your place here. We're coming there. Man. Go back with me. Genesis chapter number three. Subtlety, craftedness, smooth-tongued. Those that are just using the slightest difference. Genesis chapter number three, when you find there, God had made everything and he'd blessed it and he'd made man and woman in verse, or chapter two and he talks about the beauty of the human-wife relationship. Then he says in verse number three, now, <laughs> it's good, but now guess what happens? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto them, unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, I'm sorry. We may eat of the tree of the fruit of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, you shall not touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, I don't have time to preach Genesis chapter number 3. But you know what Satan comes on the scene and says? God doesn't have your best interest at heart. Amen. He's restraining you. He, does, he knows that if you, eat this, if you eat this fruit, that it's going to open, look, a whole new world to you. Now, my friend, I don't have to switch gears and get to preaching about society today because... It's in there and you know it. They say religion, look, religion constrains us. They say Bible Christianity is narrow-minded and we've, we've look, we've, we're, 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 we're in touch with ourselves, we're in touch with nature, we're in touch with the spirits. Well, that's what Satan promised. By the way, it led to a questioning of God's word. It led to a questioning of God's authority. And I say this to you, Satan does his great work through subtlety. Go back with me to Acts chapter number 13 and we, as we try to finish. <laughs> he said, 
You're full of subtlety and mischief. And notice this. He said, thou child of the devil. Now, look, I preach as hard as anybody, but I've never looked at anybody and say, you're a devil. There's a few I wanted to. But Paul had no problem because, look, Paul recognized the source. And what I'm challenging you with this morning is recognize where things are coming from. And when they get down here to us, sometimes they're close. And that's the work of subtlety. You ever heard somebody say this? Well, as long as you believe in something. You ever heard somebody say this statement? As long as you have faith. You ever heard somebody make this statement? Well, it'll all work out in the end. I had a fella, I, 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 I'm not lying to you. Elizabeth in Tennessee, gas and go. Right here. I'm waiting. I, I, I stop in to buy me a Dr. Nuff or something, I'm sure. Trying to get an IV pump, but anyway. I stopped to give me a little something. I'm waiting in line. Guy gets in front of me and he starts talking to the girl. And I think he's buying something. He was a little embarrassed because he starts spilling his, you know. Then he starts saying, he says, I, I'm, a, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. He said, we go to church on Sunday. I mean, I'm just listening. The girl ain't said nothing to him. He's just listening to her. He starts telling about, he said, well, I don't go with whatever. And I do this every now and then. And I have some problems with this. But hey, we're all sinners, right? And then he makes this statement. He said, but I'm a pretty good old fella. Now, I'm going to say, be honest with you. What I watched at the gas and go this week is right here in this book. It's as real. It's as real as ever. And the dangerous thing is they don't recognize the source. He says, notice how, uh, these words are strong. He says, you're a child of the devil. He says, you're an enemy of righteousness. Paul didn't give a good interview. He was a little straightforward. He says, and will thou not cease, notice this, to pervert the right ways of the Lord. He said, what you want to do is pervert that which is good. We have said for years as a church, we'll leave y'all alone. Y'all stay out there. We'll stay in here. But can I say this to you today? They're not content to stay out there. They want to pervert the ways of the Lord. They've perverted creation. They've perverted the sanctity of life. They've perverted marriage. And I, the list could go on and on and on and on. But the spirit of it we find here in Acts chapter number 13. And notice it's all done with subtlety. You say, what's the answer? I'm glad you've asked real quick. We got to go. The answer is in verse number nine, spirit-filled believers. How am I going to stand in the last days? Say, preacher, it's going to get worse. It is going to get worse. I ain't going to lie to you. We're not going back to Mayberry. We're just not going back. We're not going back to Mayberry. The Bible says it's going to get worse. Well, how do I get worse? How, how do I look? I first make sure that I'm filled with the spirit of God. In verse number nine, he says that Paul was filled with the Spirit. Or verse number nine, he says, filled with the Spirit of God. Then notice verse number 11 very quickly. He says, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a, a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. 
So God answers. By the way, I've written in my Bible, verse number 11, they confronted error with the Spirit of Christ. If we're going to confront error, we do it with the Spirit of Christ, not with pride, not with arrogancy, not with disdain. I don't care how wrong they are, Christ died for them. And I don't care how right you are, your heart's just as dirty as theirs. There's not a human being under the sound of my voice that doesn't deserve to spend eternity in a Christless hell. If you don't recognize yourself there, then you're full of pride and arrogancy and hypocrisy. Say, preacher, I liked it better when he's preaching on them. Look in verse number 11. A spirit-filled believer confronted error in the spirit of Christ, but please don't miss this. This is my conclusion, verse number 12. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, he believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. You say, what happened? A spirit-filled believer stood and God showed himself strong. But here's the end of that story. That seeker got saved. You say, preacher, why are you preaching so hard? You know, people could misunderstand you. You know, people could walk out of here and say, the preacher preached on Snow White today. If you want to walk out of here and say that, that's fine. Somebody said, man, the preacher's just mad at something. No, what I want you to understand is there is a spiritual, spiritual battle going on. There is a spirit of darkness. There is a spirit of the majestic. There's the spirit of the occult. There's a spirit of all that. And look, it leads in with subtlety. It sounds good. It, 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 sometimes it's innocent. But we've got to ask ourselves our question, where did it come from? But here's the thing. At stake, at stake between truth and error, at stake between spirituality and darkness is those that are seeking for the truth. And what I don't want to do, I don't want to get distracted as a preacher of the gospel and the climate we live in today, I can get distracted with politics. I can get distracted with pretending like I'm a healthcare expert. I can get distracted on lots of things. And let me say this to you, that's the subtlety of Satan because Satan would like nothing better in this world than this preacher to get off track on things that do not matter for eternity. Because he knows if he can get this preacher off track, he can get you off track. So what I'm going to challenge you with is number one, do you know the Lord? I mean, do you really know him? But then number two, look, don't allow the subtlety and the spirit of this world to get us off track of standing for the truth and proclaiming the truth. Because there's a generation, I say it to you, not just the generation behind us, but the whole generation they're going to be coming of age where they're asking these questions. They're going to be wondering. They're going to be truth seekers. They're going to ask little questions like, well, who made God? How did God get here? You say, what is that? That's that truth seeker. That's God. That's the spirit of God saying, pursue. And if we get off track through subtlety, they'll turn to the sorcerers for answers. They'll turn to the wizardry and black magic. I challenge his parents before I pray, 
Don't open your home up to satanic influences. Guard your media. Say it keeps them entertained, but by what? I want you to bow with me in prayer. How many of you know somebody right now? Maybe it's a child in your family. Maybe it's.